Good morning, Shepherd's Gate. How are you? <laughs> it's good to see all of you with the light on. That's wonderful. Uh, Jackson's family, wow, what a special moment for you. So glad you're here today. And uh, thanks for everyone watching us online, for tuning in, and wherever you are, hope you feel right at home with us uh, in our community today. So, and uh, it was a coincidence that my daughter was our video host today. It was her first time, but since she was, and I'm her dad, I have a little dad moment to say, great job, Haley, you did a wonderful job. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Well, for those of us that have been with us for a while, we have been in our Courageous series, and we've been studying the book of Joshua, and today is the last day. We're wrapping it all up, and man, it feels like an epic story, and excited to do the last three chapters with you. And as you saw in the trailer, a spoiler alert, Joshua dies in the end. So I'm sorry to let you know that, but it's true. It's okay, though, because before he goes, he has one more message for us. And in fact, in chapter 24, there's a verse that you might have heard before. It's some, a somewhat famous verse, and so we're going to get there. It's a verse about choices and making choices in life, and that reminded me of would-you-rather questions. Have you ever done a would-you-rather question or two? We're going to do a few here just to get us started on this, okay? So here's the first one. Would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long? Ooh, a lot of lotteries. In, in the first service, someone asked, how much? He wanted to know. <laughs> I guess that would have made a difference there. All right, try this. Those of you that are watching online, you can write your answers in the chat. Would you rather be without internet for a week or without your phone? Uh, someone said, same thing. Yeah. Well, you, earlier in the week, someone told me uh, if you gave up your phone, but you still had your computer, you could still be online. So that's, that's a workaround on that one, maybe. All right, would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button on your life? Ooh, a lot of rewinds. Yeah, you got some stuff in your, in your past you want to do over again? <laughs> well, we got to talk later. It might be juicy, I don't know. Yeah, well, it would be great. We don't have one, but that would be fun. Well, uh, Joshua talks a lot about choices in these chapters, but before, before we get to chapter 24, we need to talk about chapter 22. There's just a little story, and we're going to cover it quickly. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh built an altar and almost started a civil war. That's what that chapter is about. Here's what happened. There are three tribes that were on the other side of the Jordan, not in the promised land. Their land was on the other side of the Jordan, and so they already had their land when the book of Joshua started. However, they went with the rest of their tribe. They went with the rest of Israel, crossed the Jordan, and fought for the land in the promised land. So for many years. Then it came a point where, the, uh, uh, as Tim had uh, spoken last week, the land was conquered and everyone was settled in the land that they were uh, supposed to be in, each tribe. And these three tribes said, guess what? It's time for us to go home. So they went over across the Jordan and they built this giant altar. But they didn't put like a sign on it or they didn't explain anything about it. And the other tribes got really upset about this because they had no idea what the altar was for. And they remembered, and maybe you remember when, if you were here when we talked about conquering Jericho and how one person took some things from Jericho that he shouldn't have. And then in the next battle, because he had done that, many people lost their lives because uh, the Lord was not with them because this person. So they remembered, the tribes remembered that they all had to be in it together. And they just didn't know what was going on with these other three tribes. So they went over, they talked to them, and the three tribes said, no, actually, we built this altar as a reminder for us and for our children that we're going to be faithful to the one true God. And so everyone was like, oh, phew, that's good. And that's what chapter 22 is about. 
There's a little takeaway on that, and uh, I just want to say this in case anyone needs to hear it. You know, you matter. Your choices matter. Our culture tells us that uh, you can do whatever, whatever you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Uh, that's wrong. All of our choices matter. All of our choices impact the people around us. And that's what this chapter is about. So remember, you're part of a community. Your choices matter. Well, we got to move on to chapter 23, though. Uh, There we go. Chapters 23 and 24 are Joshua's farewell message to Israel. And he basically says the same thing twice. In chapter 23, he tries out his message on the leaders of Israel. And maybe to tweak it or I don't know, just, you know, kind of have practice at it. And then chapter 24, he gathers the whole nation together and he gives them basically the same message, okay? So we're gonna spend most of our time on 24, but here's a verse from 23. Uh, This is the message in a nutshell. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it, neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord, your God, just as you have done up until this day. And so his message is clear. You know, Joshua has seen a lot in his life, and his main concern is just one thing. Be true to God. Be true to God. Don't turn to the left of it or the right of it. Continue to serve God only. And so we're going to go to chapter 24 and dig into this message a little bit more. And so I want to tell you, if you're here in person, this is uh, in your chair Bibles. You can see them on the back there. If you're in the front, there's a Bible under your seat. You can follow along if you want, page 198. If you don't have a Bible or you don't like the one you have, just take that one and we'll replace it. It's uh, our gift to you. Those that are watching online, we have a Bible tab in the chat area or uh, follow along with your own Bible. All right, so here we go into chapter 24. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. So as I said in chapter 23, just the leaders, in chapter 24, everybody to this one particular city, the city of Shechem, and he's going to bring his message. Now here comes the verse that you may have seen or heard of before. This is verses 14 and 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many have heard that part of that verse before? Probably a fair amount of you, yeah. Do you have it in your house? Does anyone have this on your wall? Yeah, a few of you. Uh, I found this online. There's a good uh, image of that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a line in the sand. Joshua is saying, look, Israel, you must remain true to God. Now, it would be nice to end there. But it goes on. We have to see what happens next. It's, um, uh, it's a little different than you might expect. First of all, the people answer him. And this is what they say. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. And it goes on to talk about more of the history of what God did for them. And they end by, therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. 
Uh, translation, duh, Joshua, of course. Like, look, we're in the promised land. We made it. It's God. Of course we're going to serve him. Why would we serve anybody else? And that is maybe the message you would expect. Here's a twist, though. This is what Joshua says to them in response. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after having done you good. Now, if you've been following, you might be asking this question, what? Didn't Joshua just give a great command to the Israelites? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And now he's saying you can't do it? That's maybe not as an encouraging message. In fact, you probably have not seen this on anybody's house wall, I would guess. Not, not as inspiring as the last message, perhaps. <laughs> well, you know, this is actually Joshua, in his wisdom, uh, he knows something. He knows that it's one thing to cross the Jordan, but it's another thing to live there. Have you found this to be true? You know, you come out from church and the worship team did particularly well and the message was very inspiring. You're like, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ and I'm gonna go through. And then Monday hits and then Tuesday hits and then Wednesday hits and then you're just kind of doing your own thing again. I mean, it's happened to all of us, right? That's just life. It's hard to serve God day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. It just, it's a long haul and there's just a tension here. There's a tension because, you know, uh, it's, we all know deep down inside that it's kind of an impossible thing to do. It's an impossible thing to do, to be true to God every day for our entire life, all right? And that's, that's a tension. That's a tension that we have to manage. Here's part of Joshua's answer. He gives the Israelites two helpful suggestions that we want to take into our lives too because they are quite helpful. And we have to go back in the chapter a little bit to find the first one. Here's what he says to them. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. This is what Joshua is saying to the people of Israel. Remember the faithfulness of God in your past. He's, he's doing the highlights. He's hitting the highlights of everything that God did for the nation of Israel from the moment that they came, uh, became a nation to being slaves in Egypt to coming out of that to getting into the promised land. He's saying, remember that God is always faithful. And that, that's an important lesson. It's, it's also very important because it's easy to forget and especially generation to generation. And I'll show you uh, what I mean by that. Here is, a, is a, a period of years. How many is it? Anybody? 40 years. That's right. Now, I was alive in 1982. I was in second grade. Uh, I remember 1982. I do not remember 1942. My grandfather was alive in 1942. He served in World War II in the Mediterranean, and he told me stories about it. So I have the memory of him telling me the story. But I got to be honest with you. I really felt like uh, World War II was in the distant past when I was in second grade. I learned about it in history class. It didn't really affect my life because I wasn't even alive back then. 
And that's just how I felt. But check this out. Here's another 40-year period. Between 1982 and 2022, that's another 40 years. And I have to tell you, I remember all of those years <laughs> because I was alive then. And you know, I remember, for example, the Cold War in the 80s. I uh, remember it very vividly, but my, my children, who were born in 2004 and 2007, are learning about it in the history books. For me, it's real. Uh, to them, it's like I thought about World War II. Do you see what I mean? It's so easy to forget the intensity of history. It's so easy to forget what has happened in the past if you haven't personally experienced it. And so Joshua is, uh, is encouraging Israel, and I'm encouraging us today, what stories do we tell our family? Because there's no way of going back in time and showing people what happened, so we have to tell stories. You know, I know in our family, uh, from time to time, we'll say, oh, isn't it great that we live in Michigan? You know, uh, uh, my wife Lisa and I met in New York City, and we were married there. We moved out west to Toledo, Ohio. After a couple of years, we uh, got out of there quick. And we moved up to Michigan, where we've been happy for 15 years. But we'll say, you know, we didn't have a particular plan in mind, but God was faithful. We've thrived in Michigan, and our children have been raised here. We love living here. It wasn't our plan. It was God's plan. And just reminding our kids, hey, God was faithful in our family. You know, uh, you can also read the Bible and read those stories and remember that God has been faithful to the family of God as well. They're such powerful stories. There's another example that I just can't pass up. Um, we've been through this pandemic, and I remember when uh, the pandemic started uh, in 2020, I thought to myself, I know there was, I think there was another global pandemic, and I think it was about 100 years ago, but I couldn't remember the name of it, I couldn't remember the year. Did anyone else do this? And then you Googled it, and you found what? The Spanish flu in 1918. How many people died in that pandemic? Does anybody know? They, they think 50 million people. It was hard to keep records back then, but they think 50 million. Way more than are dying right now. This had a huge impact on our world. It was only 100 years ago. I didn't even remember the name of it. So it's important. These stories that we tell our family, these stories that we tell our friends, our neighbors of God's faithfulness, yes, we need to put these things in front of us and remember. And this is what Joshua is saying. There's another thing that, uh, that he's talking about with, uh, with Israel. The second uh, thing that he asked them to remember, and it's found in verses 25 and 26. So Joshua made a covenant. Now, covenant is a solemn promise with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth, which is a kind of tree, that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. What is Joshua saying here? He's saying, make your promise to God. Promises are important. A covenant was a solemn promise. Now today, we have different kinds of promises, and so we have to, we have to uh, flesh out this word a little bit so we understand what Joshua is asking us to do. And to do that, I'm gonna illustrate it with two items. The first one is this. How many have one of these in their pocket today? Yeah, or somewhere, in your purse somewhere. Yes, a few of you won't admit to it, but you all have them, it's okay. All right, I once made a promise to Verizon. And while I had uh, that promise to Verizon, they provided me with, the, with a phone and with uh, you know, data and phone service and so forth. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, AT&T came along and said, you know, 
I could give you a new phone and more, uh, more data, and you could have more people on your network for the same price that you're paying right now for Verizon. And guess what I did? I switched to AT&T. I moved from the, the, the desert of Verizon to the promised land of AT&T. And I've been happy ever since, living in the promised land. But guess what? If Verizon came back to me and said, I've got a deal for you, and it was a better deal than I have right now, I would just switch back. Because it's just a consumer agreement. The promise I made with my phone company is just, it's just a consumer agreement. And the deal with consumer agreements is it has to be good for you. Whatever's best for you, do that. The moment it doesn't become good for you, let it go. Because that's, that's the way we do business, and that's fine. But that's not the only kind of promise you can make. Now, you might not be able to see this, but you probably can know what I'm referring to if I'm uh, showing you uh, my fingers here. This, this ring represents another promise I made, and it wasn't to Verizon, uh, which you know, my wife and I are glad that it's a different kind of promise. I made this promise 21 years ago to my wife. I said, for better or worse, for rich or poor. I said, in sickness or in health, did death do us part? And I made those vows, and we sealed it with the ring. Because that promise isn't conditioned upon what's in it for me. That promise is a solemn commitment made uh, for all time until death do us part, sealed with a string. Every time I look at my ring, I'm reminded of that solemn promise. That's the kind of promise that Joshua is asking us to make to God. That's what he was asking Israel to make to the Lord. And it's important to have that kind of promise. And just as an aside, If you treat this kind of promise like this kind of promise, right? It doesn't work, right? Disaster ensues. And we may be in trouble in our culture a little bit because we don't understand the different kind of promises. Treat your promises seriously. That's what Joshua is saying to us. So he's got two great ideas. Remember God's faithfulness in your past. Keep a solemn promise to God, but there's tension. It doesn't resolve everything. Do you remember when we looked at verses 14 and 15, he said, look, if you don't want to serve the true God, then serve the God of Egypt or serve the gods of the Amorites where you live now. But as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, he, why didn't he say, just be free? You can either serve the Lord or just go your own way. And this is what our culture tells us. Don't have any encumbrances. Be free. Don't let any religion, any particular person, any institution tie you down. You are the Lord of your own destiny. Make your own decisions. We say it in other ways too. We, you know, we make it more pleasant, but that's the heart of it. See, the problem with that, the problem that Joshua knew is that when you say those things, you're not really free. You're really serving yourself. Because what he knew is that we're always serving something. There's always something in the number one place of our heart's affection. And from that motive, that deepest motive, we make our decisions during the day and during the weeks and years of our life. It's it's that thing inside that's number one in our heart's affection that determines the course of all of those other decisions. And you know, we don't use gods anymore. We're so sophisticated now. We don't use the term gods or idols, but we know what these things are that occupy the number one spot in our heart sometimes. Money, fame, sex, it happens. Uh, even, good, even good things like family or kids. You know, not all desires are bad, but any of those desires placed at the number one spot in our heart leads to ruin. This is what Joshua knew. 
But the passage, the examples that he gives to Israel don't resolve this. How do you keep God at the number one spot in your heart's affection all the time? Well, to answer that, we have to look at a couple of other covenants. We have to look at a couple of other solemn promises. And we're going to go back 500 years before Joshua to look at another covenant that God made with Abraham. Now, God asked Abraham to take some animals and sacrifice them. And this is a little gross, but he he asked him to cut them up and put pieces of the animals on the ground. It was part of a ceremony that uh, people would do in that time. And then this is what happened after that. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now just as an aside, this is the story of the nation of Israel 500 years before it was completed. That's amazing. God is telling Abram, Abraham, the father of the Israel nation, what's gonna happen. And then this happens. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the animal pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. There's a couple of interesting things about this promise, this covenant. One is it did come to pass. Israel did come into inheriting the promised land, which is great. But do you notice the torch and the the flaming pot? Those are are what, what what Abraham was seeing as the presence of God. Normally, in a covenant of this kind, both parties that were uh, making promises to each other would walk the animal pieces, and they would talk about the blessings that would be bestowed if they kept the promise. And then they would walk, and they would talk about the curses that would be upon the other party if you didn't keep the promise. And both people would walk between the pieces, making these promises and talking about the curses. But notice, Abraham doesn't walk. Abraham watches. God took on both sides of this covenant, this promise, the blessing and the curse. That's interesting because that, God knew that Abraham and the nation of Israel couldn't stay true to God through 500 years. And they didn't. They, came, they went back and forth. But God still honored the promise because he made it to himself. It was a very powerful covenant that God made with Abraham. Can you think of any other time when God took on both sides of a promise, both sides of a covenant. There's one other time, and it's the crux of this whole thing. We're gonna go to Hebrews, Hebrews 9.15. Therefore he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, a new promise, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. This is amazing. Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant. Jesus took on the mercy of God and the justice of God. He he gives us the blessings and takes on the curses. Jesus is God's answer to this problem of how, how it all works, how we can be faithful to God for weeks and months and years and a lifetime. 
Now Joshua, you know, couldn't know this because he lived before Jesus' time. But he may have gotten some sort of hint about the solution, and it, it has to do with uh, the city, the city of Shechem, where he brought the whole nation to make his covenant. So uh, I don't know if you, if you were here last week, Tim skipped a chapter in Joshua, chapter 20, and kicked it to me, which is fine, because it fits right in here. Chapter 20 is the cities of refuge. What happened was when they established the promised land, Israel set up several cities. Shechem was one of these cities. They called them the cities of refuge. And suppose an accident happened and you were working with a friend and that friend died. It wasn't your fault, it was an accident. But your friend's family was like, we're gonna get you for that. Maybe they don't believe you that was an accident. Maybe they just wanted revenge, they were just angry. Well, this kind of situation would come up from time to time. If that happened, you could run to one of these cities of refuge. If you could make it there, you would be safe. Now, isn't it interesting that Joshua brought the nation of Israel together at a city of refuge? I think it's a foreshadowing of the new covenant that Jesus makes with us. Do you see that Jesus is our city of refuge? That we can run to him? And not just for the accidental things. See, it's a better covenant. It's a better covenant than the covenant that Joshua made with Israel because he doesn't just forgive our accidental sins. (laughs) He forgives the ones we do on purpose. He forgives it all. He did it all for us. I just think that's an amazing foreshadowing of that last covenant. Well, we finally got to the end. Here's the end. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. That's a long life. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. This is the end of the book and the end of our story. Joshua was an amazing man. He understood his times. He had wisdom. He didn't know everything, but he knew that there was a promise of something future. And so I think there's a few takeaways uh, from this that uh, we can pull out of this chapter as we go our way this week. The first is, have you received God's grace? That new covenant is a much better covenant than Joshua could have ever offered. Jesus did it all. Not only does he give us the blessings, but he took on the curses. All we do is receive it. We receive his grace. Maybe there's someone watching online or someone sitting here and you're like, well, I don't know if I've received that. Now's the time. Now's the time. Receive his gift. It's free. He's done it. For all of us, have you tried consciously putting Jesus at the center of your heart's affection? Jesus is the only thing that will make it work. As I said before, there are lots of other desires. There are lots of other ways to make decisions. There are lots of other motives that we could put at the center of our lives. None of them them work at that number one spot. Only Jesus in that number one spot will give us the peace, the grace. You know, when we mess up, he forgives. Nothing else will do that. And just as an example, you know, loving yourself is important. I'm not saying that loving yourself isn't important, but... Making that the ultimate desire leads to selfishness at the expense of all those around you. See, it doesn't work. Loving your kids is important. I'm not saying loving your kids isn't important. Of course it's important. We all love our children. But making that the ultimate desire puts unrealistic expectations on your kids and it smothers them. That doesn't work. Caring for your financial future is important. Of course it is. 
we need to make money to, to support our families, but making that the ultimate desire makes you a workaholic and a nervous wreck a lot of times. Putting God at the center of your heart's affection is the only way to reorder the desires of our heart for health and flourishing. And I don't, I don't know how to say more about this except to just say his truth is right, his promises never fail, Jesus is the Lord of time and space, he knows the past, he knows our future, he knows when you're gonna mess up and when you're gonna come to him, his grace covers it all. He will never let you down. He'll never let you down. That's Joshua's lesson for us today. Trust in God. Don't swerve to the right or the left. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and for this new covenant, this new promise that is so much better than all the other promises. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the life of Joshua. Help us to remember our past, to tell it to our children so that they will remember your faithfulness in our lives. God, each day as we wake up, may we put you at the center of our heart's affection and make that choice, that choice to serve you. Let it be a practice that becomes a habit, that becomes a life, that becomes a destiny. May you be at the center of everything that we do. In Jesus' name. Amen.